Hello, it's the November DCM podcast. My name is Tom Lanay, and this month on the DCM podcast, I'm joined by Alex Albert Hansen, AV Associate Director at OMD. Correct. Hi, Alex. How are you? I'm very well. Thanks, I nearly Tom. got that wrong, and I'd already, <laughs> I already—I just cleared it with you like at 30 seconds, yeah. two minutes ago. Yeah. But anyway, we got there. So thanks for joining me. So last time we tried to put this in a diary, a global pandemic happened. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to say no official link has been found between. <laughs> our meeting in March 2020 and the global COVID pandemic. Yeah, so hopefully this one goes a lot <laughs> more smoothly. Now, before we get into our chat, I'd like to give an update on what's happening on the big screen. And uh, No Time to Die has now been in cinemas for eight weeks, I think. I'm going to start with No Time to Die, mainly because this week it became the fourth highest grossing film in UK and Ireland history. So we're talking about box office here. It overtook Avatar. Over Across this week, it will overtake Spectre to become the third highest grossing film of all time, which I think is incredible when two months ago we didn't really know how it was going to go. And now it's the third or about to become the third biggest film of all time. Have you seen it? I have. I loved it. Well, this is the thing. I think one of the reasons it's doing so well is because people do love it. It's really kind of hitting its audience. In terms of admissions, we have the latest film monitor data on who has been attending the film. And we can tell you that in terms of TVRs, it's delivered approximately 21 1634 adult TVRs, 22 ABC One adult TVRs, and 25 ABC One men TVRs. So that they're, they're big numbers, aren't they? They're huge numbers. Yeah, I mean, you won't get that those sort of numbers in many other places, will you? Apart from live sport, there's yeah. a very limited number of programmes, yeah. From the latest film monitor research as well, we've added a question on to the end of it, and we know from that research that 84% of the No Time to Die audience are light commercial TV viewers as well. So it's a good audience, isn't it, Alex? It's a prime audience. Prime, thanks. <laughs> I have not briefed Alex on this at all. You didn't know I was going to say this either, did you? I didn't. No. Know. So this will be the last time I talk about No Time to Die on the DCM podcast. It might not be, but I'm going to say it is anyway. And aside from Bond, June has been doing terrifically and is on track to hit 2 million DCM emissions, which I think is a terrific result. That's more than Blade Runner 2049 and Mad Max Fury Road. Have you seen Dune, Alex? Oh, I loved Dune. I thought it was amazing. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? Just uh, I've seen it twice now, and just the spectacle and the sound. I found Hans Zimmer's score utterly thrilling. Incredible. Yeah. I actually read the book in the summer. Yeah, I remember you told me, yeah. Ahead of it, and it's a brilliant adaptation. It's really faithful to the book, and I'm really excited for part two. Yeah, part two came on the schedule this week, October 2023. So le less than two years to wait, which seems optimistic because there's a lot of film to make, I think, in that time. But I'm very excited for that, Denis Villeneuve. And we'll see more of Zendaya as well, won't we? Yeah, a bit more. Won't, won't be difficult. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. So Ghostbusters Afterlife opened at the weekend as, and has already delivered over 550,000 DCM emissions and is on track for a total well over 1 million, may get up to 1.5 million. Have you seen Ghostbusters Afterlife? I've not, no. I did watch the first one a few months ago. As in Dan Aykroyd the and original. Bill Murray. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? It's classic, yeah, it's classic. But not, not sure I'm going to make it to see... Well, I haven't seen it yet. I probably will go next week, but I haven't seen it yet. But I just thought I'd ask. But apparently Dan Aykroyd is in it and Bill Murray are in this one as well. Yeah. Oh. So maybe that will Bill swing Murray. it for you. Well, yeah. I will retract my previous statement about not seeing it and <laughs> change it to I might see yeah. it. And it's daunting to say, but Christmas is on the horizon four and a half weeks away. And in cinemas for the festive season, we've got Steven Spielberg's take on West Side Story. We have got Spider-Man No Way Home. Alex just did a fist punch thing, air punch thing. You excited for that one? Really excited for that one. I think it looks amazing. Yeah, I mean, the trailers have been going off, haven't they? With, I mean, obviously, I think it's bringing in the other villains like Alpha Molina's Dr. Octopus and 
Willem, Willem Dafoe. Dafoe as the Green Goblin. Yeah, gosh, it looks good. I'm, I'm excited to see it. That's the 15th of December. And then The Matrix Resurrections on 22nd of December. Very excited for that as well. Big Matrix fan. Yeah, me too. And and it looks spectacular, doesn't it? And then on Boxing Day, The Kingsman. Yeah. So the spin-off from The Kingsman series. And there's some smaller films in amongst there as well, like the Palm Door winning Titan, which I have seen and have still not yet recovered from. Yep, lots of good things in cinemas over the next month. Have you seen anything else at the cinema recently, Alex? I did actually uh, at the weekend see Eternals. Okay. And, and you're you know, a Marvel fan, aren't you? Yeah. You know I'm a huge Marvel fan. I'm a huge Marvel fan. Well, it's funny because Marvel fans I've spoken to haven't been as keen on this one, but then the people who don't like Marvel seem to like it. Yeah, I wasn't in love with it. I thought it's, it's a bit of a dip since we had Shang-Chi. Which was amazing, mm-hmm. Black Widow, which was which was solid. I think this one doesn't quite live up to my expectations, mm-hmm. but I think it's done okay. I mean, it's done its job of introducing some major new characters into the Marvel Cinema- Cinematic Universe, who will be a major feature of this Phase Four, I think. And we've got Doctor Strange next year, and then we've got Thor: Love and Thunder, and then we've got Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. So while this year has been about introducing new characters, next year is all about returning to the the ones that Marvel fans know and love. Yeah, it's going to be a huge year. That's enough of me talking. Alex, tell us a little bit about your role at OMD. So at OMD, I'm the AV Associate Director, which means I get to look at all the AV channels. So in charge of buying the TV, VOD, the radio, the cinema. What brands do you work with? So big one from a cinema perspective is McDonald's, who are a fast food company, I'm sure. For those that aren't aware. Yeah. I'm not sure many of our <laughs> listeners won't know who McDonald's are, but um, thanks for clarifying. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, never assume, never take for granted <laughs> anything. Also BSH, which is Bosch, Siemens, Neff, Household Goods, and Activision as well, who made the Call of Duty franchise. Yeah. What is exciting about working with those brands and what challenges do they present? I think to start with McDonald's, what's most exciting about them is they're such a big global brand. They do have budgets which reflect that, which means you can do loads of exciting things and it doesn't really limit what you can do because there's enough scope to kind of go across all the main channels. And are they open to ideas? They are open to ideas, yeah. They've got to work for them. You know, everything we do has to work for the business. So going to cinema specifically, one of the big things for McDonald's is return on media spend, which they monitor relentlessly just to make sure we're pushing as far as we can. And... We've worked really hard on cinema over the last few years to get that into a space where it does deliver really strongly for McDonald's. So now we've got, without going into the trading details, we've got a really strong base plan where we have a blend of in-real and premium spot inventory, which delivers the best results. And they've been doing, they've been increasing, which is obviously a good thing. And also just tying it to the right films and making sure the right products from McDonald's with the right film. So one that saw a lot of success earlier this year was Happy Meal in Peter Rabbit 2, which obviously did way above expectations. Cinemas just reopened. It's the first film out, yeah. It's the first one out and, and delivered big numbers, right? Two and a half million admissions, yeah. Well ahead of where we had it. So. And so this is where you're... Because, I mean, anyone listening to this podcast can already tell you're a big film fan. Do you get to utilise your knowledge a lot when you're chatting to McDonald's? And is that part of the enjoyment of it as well? Yeah, absolutely. Presenting back to McDonald's our ideas for a campaign. I love nothing more than when we get to the cinema section and I can talk about the slate, what's upcoming, what I think works really well for the audience we're trying to hit on a specific product. You know, it might be a beef burger, which tends to be more male skewed, 
picking out those films that are going to be a bit more of a male profile, which tends to be stuff that I like anyway, kind of the younger male superhero films, action movies. So getting to talk about that as part of my job is quite fun. So you talked about return on investment. Can you tell us a little bit about the research that you've done or um, how you prove that that works? Yes, yeah, so McDonald's work with a econometrics company. So we provide them with the data for each of our channels in terms of budgets, delivery, and we get those results back in, in the form of ROMs, which we can then look at on a channel-by-channel basis, on a campaign-by-campaign basis, see what's working well, see what's not working well, and then we dive deeper with the econometrics company into what the reasons are for that. And I'm assuming, I mean, you said you work with Activision as well. Their audience might be quite similar in some respects as well. Call of Duty has has been a big brand on cinema as well. Do they present similar challenges? Yes, they are a bit different in the fact that they're more seasonal. So it's their annual release of the Call of Duty franchise, which you said is absolutely huge. We've had some challenges in in the pandemic and shifting behaviours in terms of people going more onto the likes of Fortnite and Activision's kind of competitor to that, which is Warzone, which has been doing really well. So kind of suffering a little bit from from behaviour change in our audience and kind of post-pandemic with, you know, Activision are based in the US and, and over there the the COVID situation, I think, is still struggling a bit. It's still quite a few cinemas closed. It's not quite as open as it is here. So you've got more of a kind of challenge of balancing those global priorities with local markets. That's really interesting. So we'll backtrack a little bit. So how has the last 18 months been for you and for OMD? Yeah, so I think like most people, when it started off, it was a bit novel and... Obviously, thanks to our meeting going in, we launched the global pandemic. And, uh, I was kind of living my best life for a few weeks, maybe a month or so, running a lot. Because we had good weather at the start we as well, didn't we? had really good weather, yeah. And I was sort of running along the Thames three, four times a week. And I was like, this is great. And then as it dragged on, it got tougher and the weather turned and it got colder and then we got into towards Christmas and then we were all set to go see family that got cancelled and it was a really tough time that was probably our lowest step because I was meant to get married actually in March this year and so we had to push that back and I remember a moment watching have you seen This Is Us? I've seen some of the first series. We watched the first series I think it was just the first series yeah and like you say it's it's an emotional rollercoaster pretty much every episode and one episode just hit me and kind of all the stress came out and I just could not stop crying. I've never had anything like that in my life before. Literally just the stress just kind of left me I really needed it I mean that has happened to me at, at times over the last 18 months as well and I think it will continue to happen to me you know I, we are carrying a lot of stuff with us at the moment yeah absolutely and I think so that was the lowest ebb we then got back into kind of coming into the office in a new hybrid model which I think is working really well because you get your blend of the flexibility that comes from working from home you get to get your head down and crack on with stuff when you're at home just to you know have that distraction free environment but you also need that couple of days in the office to speak to your team in person meetings are easier in person you kind of get more collaboration i think in person you can solve problems you can train a bit easier in person so i think having that blend has really kind of helped me in coming back because it being stuck inside all day 
was was really tough. So yeah, difficult 18 months. Yeah, same for me. I think I can relate to a lot of what you've said. So you said there's a hybrid model. Does that consist of two days in the office and are they fixed days? They are fixed days, yeah. So you, you, we have one day, which is a client day. So everyone working on the same clients, even if you're in different departments, are in on one day. And then we have department days as well. So everyone from the same department and on another day. So at the moment, it's two. So how are you working differently with the brands that you work with? Are they all working remotely? Do you do any face-to-face anymore? Yeah, that's a really good question. So we've obviously done a lot of Teams and virtual meetings, and, and had to do that. And actually, since joining the McDonald's account, which was, I think it was in March 2020. Again, no, no connection to, no connection. <laughs> you were not to responsible for no, the global pandemic. No, just a lot of things seem to happen in March 2020. Since then, I haven't actually been into the McDonald's offices yet, but I know that that was something that happened quite a lot prior to the pandemic i think other departments have been going in and having that face face-to-face time more of the the client facing teams but myself ha- haven't been it so i think there's definitely been a change in terms of personal meetings similarly with activision haven't met them in person the same way we did previously how have your brand's needs changed i think to give a very recent example the pandemic has caused a lot of new brands to come in as well as being terrible for a lot of people and the world on a very general human level there are some bands brands that have done really well the likes of peloton have kind of come out of nowhere they're now huge cinch as well secondhand cars as supply chains are more difficult for new cars and what we've seen is these brands know that TV is a medium that works and so they're piling onto TV and what that's done is inflate the market a lot in Q4. We've seen a lot of inflation because it works, it's a great channel but what that means is that we have a need for our clients to get the best value for our money, one, but also reach the same number of people if not more. And the challenge with that is the inflation is driven not only by these new brands that are coming on, but by linear TV viewing declines. And that combination of factors has means that we need to really make sure we're considering other channels and maximizing those other channels. And that's why the likes of cinemas kind of having a, had a brilliant Q4. And I think that is definitely linked to the inflation in the TV market. And I would expect that going into 2022 to continue dependent on kind of how demand is sitting but the tv price going up makes cinema look more and more attractive and also is a medium that we know delivers incremental reach as you said earlier the audience is young it's a market they don't watch a lot of linear tv if they do watch screen time it's probably subscription vod services like netflix amazon prime disney plus so it's a brilliant medium for us to reach those people so i think that's kind of a key example of how our clients needs have changed so you mentioned cinch and peloton do you work with any new brands that have grown recently over the last 18 months and has it been a challenge convincing them to, to use cinema you know not really i think they get it i think they get it so we've actually got an example of a new client as well that's kind of done really well uh, over the last couple of years which is beyond meat and Beyond Meat's audience, as you can imagine, is younger, kind of upmarket, kind of culturally savvy, care a lot about the environment, all those kind of things. But it has a really strong affinity with cinema. 
and getting that as a channel on the plans isn't the kind of the more challenging channel that it was you know five ten years ago i think it's seen now not as a nice to have but as a kind of crucial part of that av mix alongside tv and vod to deliver that total total reach and that's really important and i think as well cost wise it, it, it is kind of there now it's 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 absolutely there and another thing that we've not mentioned is the hfss restrictions coming in which well as beyond me it also affects mcdonald's as you can imagine to a large degree and so we've not spoken about how that's going to change the industry with cinema being relatively untouched by those restrictions tv and digital facing much more stringent measures so there are a lot of big brands out there the likes of mcdonald's and the likes of the delivery services as well so uber eats just eat big budgets need to spend this marketing cash and they've got to find a way that works and if cinema's numbers are, are doing well as we said no time to die is brilliant the slate just looks phenomenal next year again a covid pandemic issue isn't it pushing everything together well this is one of those things because i think 18 months ago everyone was just assuming a lot of films would go to streaming uh, but the big films haven't done that they've just delayed and delayed and delayed and so next year we have a year filled with big films yeah it's, it's exciting can you give us a sort of summary of the activity that you've run this year and do you have a particular standout campaign that you've run? Standout campaign for me would be the McDonald's Affinity campaign. So this was our big brand launch in the summer and it was just a brilliant time to launch campaign because we had the Euros, which obviously the pain has kind of subsided now, but at the time it was all going very well and huge audiences on TV, brilliant time to launch campaign. Cinemas were back open and Black Widow came out in the opening weekend. We had the gold spot in that. So that was a my favourite campaign just because we had all those high impact moments. We had the semi-final, England semi-final against oh, wow. Denmark. We had, the, as I said, the gold spot in Black Widow. So all these kind of high impact premium AV moments in one campaign. And that must be quite a nice debrief as well when you talk about that with the client. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Black Widow as well did far above our estimations in terms of admissions numbers. The England-Denmark spot was the biggest spot we've ever bought on, on McDonald's and, you know, a huge spender that spent for a number of years. And that is the biggest spot ever. So Obviously, we didn't know that England were going to get to the semi-final. When you're booking a spot like that, do you have to move really quickly? Do you have to be like, right, we need to make the decision now? Or did you, or at what point did you think, right, that spot's going to become available, England are going to be there and we want, we want it? So with the football tournaments, big international sport tournaments, because the TV money is already approved in advance, you have to kind of have those conversations up front about what happens if we get to a knockout, you know, would you be interested? And so you kind of get these preliminary agreements in place with the client, with the media owners around we would be interested if that happens or we wouldn't be interested because we don't think we're going to get that far. But if we do get that far in this tournament, then we'll do it. Those kind of conversations. And also you get the extra time conversations as well. You don't know if a game's going to go to extra time, but if it is, there's extra minutage. Would you be interested in, in if that happens? And that happened actually in the England-Denmark, didn't happens it? happens in a lot of knockout games now, doesn't it? Yeah, not good from my heart, that game. But that was a good example of us kind of getting things in place set up so that we can take advantage of those moments you know in real time as you get through the next round well it's interesting because next year obviously the world cup which is going to present a 
different selection of challenge challenges it's in q4 and we've got some very big films out of that time and I'm, I'm wondering how are you thinking about how tv and cinema could work together across that period yeah i think it's going to be a super interesting time because we've never had a winter world cup ever before because there's going to be no football on sky at the time either and it's and black panther wakanda forever is going to be in cinemas yeah that's going to be amazing it's going to be interesting because there's going to be brands that are seasonal that always come on Q4 pre-Christmas but have never been around football before. So you're going to have a lot of brands that I think will be thinking, say they target a more family audience, do they want to be around that activity? It's also a condensed tournament this year. It's, it's 30 days, not 38. Yeah, yeah. So that's going to be really interesting to see how that Same number of teams as well. Is it really? I think so, yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of football. Yes, there's going to be a lot of all the football. All the football. (laughs) All all the football, all the time. (laughs) Mattering to somebody somewhere, presumably. (laughs) If you haven't seen that, that's Mitchell and Webb reference. (laughs) I love that sketch. Yeah, it's amazing. (laughs) Yeah, so I think think Q4 is going to be massive. And like I say, definitely opportunities for TV and cinema to work together, especially when they're delivering, you know, the kind of ratings you spoke about earlier, because... Those are few and far between now, those shows. And Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, we're expecting to deliver over 20 1634 male TVRs and and about that 1634 adult TVRs. You know, the first one was absolutely huge. Yeah, it's huge. That's up there with some of the biggest games of the of the tournament. So uh, in terms of group stages, yeah, definitely opportunities for, the, for cinema and TV to work together. How do you see the next year going in terms of media spends, media budgets, uh, blend of planning and we've obviously touched on the strength of the cinema slate how you think that might fit into your plans over the next year i think it's going to increase i think it's going to increase because the declines we're seeing on linear tv are not going to slow down probably netflix prime disney plus they're still doing really well and particularly for younger audiences youtube they don't watch a lot of linear and we still need to reach them as agencies helping our clients. So the way we need to do that is adjusting our channel mix. You know, TV isn't delivering quite as quite what it was. So can we look to pull in more VOD? Can we look to pull in more cinema and achieve a blend that whilst TV is still declining, that blend itself still gets you to the reach numbers of a few years ago when you had more TV? So it's about using our planning tools, thinking about programming, the slate, pulling all those things together and kind of making the case for our clients that this is the optimum way to spend your budget to reach this audience across AV as a whole, as opposed to channel by channel and it being more siloed. And McDonald's, as as an example, are really good at that. So we talk often in terms of AVRs rather than TVRs, similar to when you convert cinema admissions into TVR, so we've got a comparison. You know, it's not perfect, but it does give us that comparison, which is really useful. We do a similar thing on VOD, and that gives you the kind of overall AV picture, which I think is more useful nowadays, particularly in the context of that TV decline. We've been talking a lot. Time flies when you're having fun, Alex. It does. <laughs> this is dragged. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about films. What have you particularly enjoyed this year? You know, one that surprised me with how much I enjoyed it was Free Guy. A lot of people say the same thing. Yeah, I think it had the potential to be quite silly and not really cut through, but I really enjoyed it. I thought it actually had a real emotional core to the film. Ryan Reynolds and Jodie brilliant in their lead roles. I really loved it. I loved all the references. I thought it was great. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun, isn't it? What are you looking forward to next year? 
so much. <laughs> Maybe just three or four films. <laughs> oh, gosh, there's so much I'm looking forward to. I think you mentioned it earlier, but Thor 4, Takahiti back, he's amazing. Thor 3 was fantastic yep. compared to the previous ones where they were trying to be a bit too serious. Yeah, they basically... I think Taika Waititi transformed the MCU. All the films seem to incorporate his... Apart from the Eternals, obviously, incorporate his style of humour now. Yeah, massive impact. Christian Bale as the villain in Thor... It's Thor Love and Thunder. It's out in July. Christian Bale hasn't been in a comic book film since The Dark Knight Rises. That's, no. quite, that's big news. And Natalie Portman returns and takes on the role of Thor. Can you imagine Christian Bale if you're a, a light technician and, and moving that role oh, when he's playing gosh. this villain? going to be on tenterhooks I hope you? that Christian Bale mellow, has mellowed a little bit you know and also the Marvel Cinematic Universe is not resting on his shoulders so hopefully he can have some fun with it yeah come on Christian yeah anything else yeah I think beyond the Marvel stuff which is all going to be amazing I'm actually really excited for Jurassic World 3 I love the Jurassic Park franchise it's one of my favorites as a kid I was obsessed with dinosaurs and so always I'm, I'm first opening weekend to see those films and just a couple of weeks ago sam neil tweeted a picture of him laura dern and jeff goldblum at pinewood studios no filming way. it yeah i didn't and, know that. and also you may not know that this week they released the first five minutes i think it's the first five minutes it's a prologue uh and it's it's on youtube now so that's jurassic world dominion it's in cinemas on the 10th of june is that it for next year other one that stands out for me is Avatar 2. Yep. And that's because Avatar 1, profound impact on me. I remember so clearly coming home from the cinema, just sitting on my staircase being like, I have never seen anything like that in terms of the special effects. They were unbelievable. And the 3D as well, wasn't it? Probably the best film, maybe the only amazing film I've seen in 3D. But mm -hmm. that's because they wove it into the core of it, right? Rather than yeah. retrospectively add it. And I just thought the 3D worked incredibly well james cameron as a filmmaker is always someone who invents new technology to make his films so there will be stuff we've never seen before in this film yeah super excited that's christmas isn't it? yeah it's christmas next year's avatar 2 apparently it is coming so i can't i can't wait but um until i'm actually sat in the cinema watching it i won't believe it <laughs> so finally you're a sustainability champion at omd aren't you can you give us a bit of insight into what that entails and how omd are adapting to a new world where we have to be more conscious of the choices that we are making in terms, you know, because media has historically been a, waste, a relatively wasteful industry, hasn't it? And that, we, that needs to change. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to talk about that. So I think in the pandemic, one of the things that happened was streets were a lot quieter, pollution was a lot less, certainly. I, I live in central London and I sort of connected to nature a lot more than I'd ever done previously and realised that we didn't actually have a green team at the time and some of the other agencies in our group did and so I asked our CEO if I could create one and they thought that was a brilliant idea so I set that up and not long after I'd set that up and got a really good response actually we've got a team of about 18 people now which is is obviously really good and, and it's great when you have that wider engagement across the agency across all different levels of the business that's super important the Advertising Association launched an initiative called AdNet Zero, which is trying to get the advertising industry's emissions to net zero by 2030, which is obviously a really ambitious goal. And so I, along with the other agency green teams at PhD, OMD Manning Gottlieb and Hearts and Science, we presented to the Omnicom Media Group board and basically requesting that they join this initiative because, like you say, it's 
really important. Everyone kind of needs to do their bit. And historically, advertising maybe hasn't done enough or, or what it should have done. And so we managed to get that senior level buy-in. We've joined up. We're a steering group member of, of AdNet Zero, which has been brilliant. And so now what we're doing is we're in the process of auditing our carbon emissions for the last couple of years seeing where the areas are we need to improve on and then working out what exactly we need to do to reduce those from things like changing our energy provider led lights in the building getting rid of all single-use plastics all these little things but once we actually have that data we know what's going to be the big drivers of change rather than spending a lot of our time on things that are maybe only one percent of the problem you know the example which is quite a good one is the cotton buds in the marine animals noses and, and stuff you know cotton buds obviously banning plastic cotton buds really important but that's probably only one percent of the problem when what we really need to do is stop using fossil fuels throw away culture all that kind of stuff so we're at the start of a journey but it's been brilliant how much you know senior leadership in the company has really lent in and listened to what we're saying and also given us the tools to kind of move further and it's something that we want to have more conversations with our clients with our media partners like yourself about how we can all kind of get better in this space and I think the key will be when we're all advertising products that if the products themselves are not offset then they're products that actually encourage more sustainable behaviors such as electric cars stuff that gets people promoting a, a you know a healthier more sustainable lifestyle yeah, I mean, these are conversations that we're having as well internally. And I think hopefully the whole media industry is. Well, that's all, Alex. We'll wrap up there. Thanks for joining me. It's Thank been a real you. pleasure. Oh, pleasure's mine. I'll be back next month. We'll probably do a, a review of the year because it'll be almost Christmas. Gosh, because Christmas is a month today. Anyway, we, we won't think about that. Thanks for listening. Like, subscribe, rate, review, do all of those things. Thanks a lot. Bye bye.